Faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. You're listening to Freedom Rings. I'm your host, Senator Marsha Blackburn. Welcome to another Freedom Rings podcast, and I am delighted that you have joined us today. I'm Marsha Blackburn, and as always, I appreciate sharing a few minutes with you and some of my favorite people, sharing them with you and talking about freedom and what it means to each of us, not only in our work as I'm in public policy, but in our daily lives. And today's guest you're going to find so intriguing because it is freedom of speech and freedom of expression that allows him to do his job. And by the way, he does it really well. Michael W. Smith, and you know him as a Grammy, a Dove, an everything, a top name. He is at the top of his game when it comes to recording artists. And Michael is able to do what he does because freedom allows us in this country to be able to express our thoughts. And you may not know, but actually benefiting from our innovations and commercializing our ideas and benefiting from that intellectual property is a constitutional guarantee. So what a pleasure to bring Michael W. Smith to the Freedom Rings podcast. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, Marcia. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Well, we are delighted that you are joining us today. And I think everyone knows you by your beautiful voice and your magnificent words. What really drew you, brought you in to the songwriting craft? Well, honestly, I think Marsha was when I was um, when I was five years old. I wrote my first song, which I would never play for you. It was awful, but the, but the fact that I created something that young, picked out something on the piano, and and then being able to hear a Beatles song and play it back for my mom and dad, which they thought that was amazing. Uh, I soon found out that I could play by ear, and then um, I just kept. Uh, tinkling the ivories you know I just kept my hands kept going to the piano it's something I just fell in love with and I remember at 15 years of age I I wanted to be a professional baseball player and play for the Reds that's what I really wanted to do because I was kind of a jock and a musician but 15 I didn't make the all-stars for the first time and I really felt at that moment there was a moment in time I never forget where I was that um that I thought God had a plan for me to be in the music business somehow I didn't know what the rules were I didn't know how to get there but all my friends just encouraged me, especially my mom and dad, that you've got it, you should go for it. So I had a lot of wind at my back in terms of support and encouragement. So I found my way in some beat-up Chevrolet in 1978, driving from Canova, West Virginia, which is really close to Huntington. I went to Marshall University for one semester and a half, and uh, just didn't think that was for me. And I just I moved to Nashville and um, started just to develop relationships. I remember my first visit was they loved my music. They didn't like my lyrics at all, and but they encouraged me, felt like I had something that might actually uh, take some traction. And uh, 
and it did. But obviously, I did all the stuff that normal musicians do. I waited tables, and I worked at Coca-Cola, and I planted shrubs, and just to put some food on the table. And then one day, I met this girl named Amy Grant, and uh, started writing songs for her, and then it just seemed to take off from there. So it's uh, been quite a journey, and I'm I'm just so, so grateful uh, for the many years I've gotten to do it, and I've still feel like my best work is yet to come. So, I I just think that so many people have been so inspired by the the concerts that you've given, the words that you have written, and I know you perform all over the globe. And one of the things that has impressed me as I have traveled is that. America is one of the most creative communities that people really appreciate the ability to to create something, to write a song. And you look at music and art and you realize a lot of that is happening right here in our country. What have you found? Well, I find that to be true. I mean, we've um, I think we have some of the most talented people in, in this country, but obviously they're all around the world. Uh, excited about going to work with Andrea Bocelli in May, and he's one of them from Italy who's amazing. But um, no, I just I think we've we've had the capacity, which is with uh, the creativity and the record companies and people really writing great songs and uh, and especially songs that obviously are close to my heart that that are faith driven, Marcia. That that's that can change somebody's life. I still think it's a phenomena that a three and a half minute song can change the course of somebody's life. I've always said that I think music is the most powerful universal language in the world. And um, the fact that I get to do this and to have people tell you that I'm still alive today because of your song, like Place in This World or something like that, it only takes one of those stories to kind of keep me going. So... um, it, yeah, it's a powerful thing. It really is. And writing a good song is not easy. And But I love when they fall out of the sky and I just get to catch them. I wish it would happen more often, but it still happens, which I'm very grateful for. When did you really realize the importance of freedom to being able to choose your career and then to create these songs? Like you say, something falls out of the sky. When did you, uh, was there a moment where you realized the importance of that freedom to what you do every day? Well, I would honestly say it's probably been, wasn't the beginning because that's all I knew. I mean, I I grew up in an amazing little town and my mom and dad were amazing. My church was amazing. My friends were amazing. I mean, obviously we had hardships like everybody does, but I didn't know anything else and probably... Um, with everything that we see going down here in this last year or two and cancel culture and you name it, I could go on and on that. I feel like we, uh, we're in trouble. I mean, we're, 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 I think we're being attacked. I mean, we, I think there are forces of, of the not so good that would love to silence us. And I think that's a dangerous thing. And so I sort of have my antennas up, you know, and, uh, will do my part to protect our freedom uh, because everybody, like you said, I've, free speech, I believe in it. Everybody has a right to to talk about what their thoughts are, what their opinion is. The thing is, what's, what's really troubling, Marsha, is that we 
that all my life I've been able to sit across the table from somebody who, who believes completely different than I do, and they're still my friend. And today you're finding people that go, they, they hate you, and they will throw you under the bus, and they'll do whatever they can to annihilate you. And I'm just, that's just so foreign to me. I've never, I've never had that in my life until these last few years of seeing our freedoms being attacked. So I think we've got to be aware. I think we have to fight to protect that at all costs. Have you ever had a situation where you've had to fight to protect the words in a song or to fight to protect your copyright or your intellectual property? Well, the intellectual property thing is obviously, I know you, you're, you're right in the middle of that. So it's, a, it's, it's important to all of us. Um, uh, in, in regards to songs, I've had to fight for, you know, maybe a few record companies in the, in the past trying to sort of like, if you change this word, it might be, it might have a more chance at pop radio and that sort of thing. And I've, I've really, for the most part said, I'm not going to change. This is, this is what the song's about and we're going to keep it. And, 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 and fortunately I've, um, I've had great management Chaz being one of those people of just going, this is who he is speaking of me and this is what it's going to be, you know? So, but there's not, I don't really remember any drawn out, drawn out big fights or whatever, but I did have to step up and say, this is the song and uh, it's going to stay the way it is, the way it is. And, you know, it's, as I had mentioned earlier, I know that you perform all over the globe and your music is played all over the globe. And to me, uh, one of the things we focus on here at Freedom Rings is looking at how we fight for and preserve faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity. And opening those doors of opportunity for everybody and making certain that people have hope that better days are going to be ahead for them. But you know, it is all of these things that go together to make this country and our society so incredibly unique. And I know that many times you have uh, come to D.C. You have performed for the prayer breakfast. You have performed at the White House. Um, President Bush told me one time how he was at Camp David and he looked down in the songbook and uh, there was a, a, a song and it was written by Michael W. Smith. And he said, look, Smitty wrote this. And how uh, he, he liked knowing that. But talk about this intersection of your expressions of faith and uh, your work as a creator and as a musician and songwriter. Well, <clears throat> it's a phenomenon to me. I mean, how I've even gotten to the whole Bush thing and being in D.C. a lot. Um, you know, I, I never had any aspirations to be in politics, but it's interesting. I kept getting invited to the White House, not only with W, with number 43, but 41 as well. Um, you know what? This, Marsha, is just what I was, this is what I was 
born to do. This is sort of my sweet spot. And we all have our sweet spots. We all we all have gifts. Uh, I don't think God is is respecter of anybody. I mean, we're all given a gift to do something. And I think something that can change the world, you know, even just loving your neighbor and looking at taking care of the poor, you know, those are in the gutter. Um, for me, I just want to just speak truth and I want to talk about things that I think are important. A lot of those things happen because of certain events like Columbine, you know, wrote a song called This Is Your Time about that. Uh, there She Stands, obviously a 9-11 inspired uh, song that was kind of honestly also inspired by a conversation that I had with President George W. Bush. So it's just kind of being in the moment and and being present and uh, just making sure that I stay focused and stay sort of on top of the game and not get lazy and uh, yeah, just stay in tune with what's going on. I think that's important. I mean, if you love your country and you love people, then you sort of just want to do the right thing, you know? And, and again, as I said earlier, the best way for me to express myself and what I'm feeling on whatever this is, if it's, if it's urgent or if it's love or it's, or if it's relational or whatever, it all sort of kind of comes out through my fingers on a piano. And, and that's just the way I express myself. And again, those songs fortunately have not only, you know, done well in America, but all around the world. It's crazy when you go to another country and they're singing your song in their language. It just is, takes your breath away. So it's pretty, pretty amazing. I, I think that that would be absolutely phenomenal and to uh, have a crowd sing your song in their language and knowing that you may not understand the word that they are saying, but you know that sentiment that they are sharing yeah. and the yeah. inspiration that they have received from the words that you have written. So what do you think is the most impactful song that you, that you have written? Well, everybody's going to have an opinion on that one. Um, I mean, Friends is a song that I think is okay. I mean, Debbie and I wrote it. I didn't think it was going to be some big hit song, but I didn't think I was going to have to sing it for the rest of my life. Um, <laughs> it, you know, that song, there's just something about it that just, that people embraced it. It, you know, people know exactly where they were when they first heard it. It's been sung at funerals and graduations and on and on and on. Um, so there's that one. Um, Place in this World was a, a big song, not only on Christian radio, but pop radio. And that was, that song to me is real close to my heart because that song really was it transformed and saved I don't know how many lives I know there's hundreds could be thousands you know and and I really say that with gosh I say it with extreme humility I mean it's just I don't know why I got picked to write that song but but when you hear somebody say that they were suicidal and I was going to end my life and I'm riding down the, the five freeway in LA and I heard your song "Place in This World," and I pulled off on the side of the road and had a meltdown. And I'm, I'm now alive and have a family. And I mean, so that that one kind of rises up to the top for me, you know, is "Place." And any of the worship stuff that I did from the worship album—that's the record that sort of was released on 9/11. Believe it or not, this is the 20-year anniversary of that record, and that's the record I thought would be the least successful record of my career and end up being the the biggest record of my career. And 
that's the record that's kind of sung all around the world and all these people singing it in different languages. I'll never forget being in Brazil and there were 50,000 kids out there and it was, and they are so passionate down there. And I remember I went into Agnus Day, this worship song I wrote for Belmont Church a long, long time ago. And they all started singing it in Portuguese. And, you know, you just stand on the stage and cry. I mean, it, it's just, it's powerful. And so, yeah, so there's, that's just to name a few. Uh, but I'm, I'm grateful. I'm still singing those songs to this day, and I'll, I will have to sing them the rest of my life. And I, I don't, well, we're I don't glad. <laughs> we're glad that we're glad that you do. And you mentioned Debbie, who is your wife, and yeah. you all have five children, right? Five children. And how yeah, many and grandchildren? Six, Sixteen grandchildren. Sixteen grandchildren. Mm-hmm. When you they look call at, me G Daddy. They call me G Daddy. I love that. So G Daddy. Uh, well, yeah. I'm I'm G Mom. Uh, That's so, good. I yeah, like that. I'm Marshy the G Mom. So uh, there you there you go. Um, love it. When you talk to those grandkids and you look at them, what is your hope for them for the future, for their future? Yeah. I think the most important thing, Marsh, is their faith, you know, is that they know that they're, I would speak to my grandkids just like I would a teenager, almost like your prayers that they can just always connect. And of those who have disconnected, that they can reconnect, you know, you're, you're here for a reason and you're not here by mistake. Um, I think God's got a call in your life and, and that they will, they won't forget that. And to me, as a, as a parent and a grandparent, I found out a long time ago, and you probably know this as well, they watch what you do more than what you say. And so you've got to live the life. And so they, they watch you, you know, whether it's your church or whether it's you're involved in a homeless ministry or whatever, it, how you treat people. And I think that's, that'll be the biggest lesson of them hopefully watching us, hopefully walk this thing out well and finish well. That, that they'll feel the same way about me as the same way I felt about my dad, who went to heaven a little over five years ago, who was the kindest man that I'd ever known in my life, who happened to be my dad. I actually wrote a book about my dad, which comes out May 18th. I'm so excited about it. But he, he, he taught me so much about life and how to love well and to watch him love my mom. They were in love and watching the way he treated my sister and I. Even when I made all my bad choices, he loved me unconditionally. And the way he treated his community, not only in West Virginia, but in Franklin when they moved here. I mean, and everybody to this day still talks about my dad. So he just lived the life, and he lived it well. He had his faults. I just didn't see very many of them. And he was my biggest fan, Marsha. The only time I ever saw him get upset was when my song didn't go number one. And he just couldn't figure that out. And I'm going, but Dad, I said, all my songs can't go number one. And he would say, why not, son? You're the best. He'd say things like that. And so he was always affirming. So I've taken all those lessons from my dad, obviously written a book about it, but I, I, I apply a lot of that to my grandkids now, just affirming them, just going, you're great. You know, you're, you're awesome. You know, you do that so well. And, you know, they're all artistic. Wonder why. Not only get that from me, but Debbie's very artistic as well. So I think just the affirmation of just pouring your life in your grandkids, I think that's the probably the best thing that I can do. 
Well, it definitely is one of the highlights of every single week for Chuck and I, and I know it is for you and Debbie also, and being able to encourage them. And that is why every single day I get up and go to work to preserve faith, family, freedom, hope, and opportunity because I want those children and grandchildren to know what it is to live in freedom, uh, to be able to enjoy religious liberty, to dream those big dreams and to make them come true. And uh, Michael W. Smith, thank you for joining us for Freedom Rings. And to all of you that are watching, thanks for sharing more of your time with Freedom Rings. You'll find us Freedom Ring Podcast. And be sure and follow and listen to Michael W. Smith. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you, Marsha. I appreciate it. Thank you for listening to this episode of Freedom Rings. You can follow me on Twitter at Vote Marsha, Facebook at Marsha Blackburn for Senate, and on Instagram at Team Marsha. And you can always find us online at MarshaBlackburn.com. The Freedom Rings podcast is edited and produced by Jared Cummings. Executive producers are Conservative Partnership Center and Marsha Blackburn. Together, we make Freedom Rings.